Hello and welcome to the return of Golden Sabro. We finally have baseball games to talk about. Let's go. This is our second episode since baseball was really announced to come back. In our last episodes, we had our predictions. Most of them have been pretty bad, but, uh, you know, they're predictions. What else? You, you got to go bold or otherwise they're not fun. But today we have Golden Sombreros. I know you are excited as we are to announce these. And let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We got nine Golden Sombreros in this first week. So first one, we had Miguel Cabrera, future Hall of Famer, on the 25th of July against the Cincinnati Reds. We had Roberto Perez. Uh, also on the 25th against the Kansas City Royals, Ryan's team. They suck. Uh, Rafael Devers against the Baltimore Orioles, a slightly better team than the Royals. Sterling Marte on the 26th against the San Diego Padres, who are 7-4 and four and beat the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight, I might add. Uh, CJ Crone on the 27th against Kansas City Royals, who once again aren't good. Freddie Freeman. All-star first baseman for the Atlanta Braves, who's not off to a great start against the Tampa Bay Rays, who are also not off to a great start. Brett Gardner on the 29th against the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Tucker against the Los Angeles Dodgers on the 29th. And Jake Lamb against the Texas Rangers on the 29th. There hasn't been a Golden Sabrero in the month of August yet, so I'm not sure what to make of that. But that's our Golden Sombreros so far. We'll be keeping track of those. All season. The other way we start off our show is by talking about how our teams did. And let's just get the negative out of the way, guys. I, I'm not you guys can talk about your teams. All right, well, I guess I'll go first. So um pretty slow start for Arizona to say the absolute least. They haven't really been aided by the fact that um since they've been home, uh their schedule has been pretty tough. Um they don't get any relief. Uh, starting tomorrow when they have to play Houston, who is struggling, by the way. Uh, maybe a good time to uh, get everything going in the right direction or to see some improvement. But um, they took one out of four against San Diego, uh, which I think everyone was uh, not really expecting. Um, but I'm sure Dom will be the first to tell you that San Diego is a different team than they've been um, f- since forever. Forever, right? So, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot you can do, but there's also a lot you can't do. Um, I mean, from a pitching perspective, it's it's been pretty shaky. Uh, everyone who was excited about Robbie Ray coming out of summer camp, honestly, all those all the hype should be put to bed as of right now. The guy hasn't made it out of the fourth inning in either of his starts, um, and. I think aside from that, it's been it's been pretty subpar at best. Uh, it got a little better against um, the Dodgers, aside from Ray's second start. Once again, Zach Allen, my favorite pitcher, the Milkman, um, had probably one of, if not the best start of the season for us. Merrill Kelly had a, a really good start um, against the Rangers in the first game of that series. Um, I think the pitching is going to be just fine. I think really – the team, the thing to point the finger at the most here is the offense. Um, we went out, we spent money, and we acquired uh, valuable assets for the sole reason of making our offense more consistent. And it's been anything but that to start the year. 
Eduardo Escobar has struck out 11 times. He has recorded the most outs out of any player in the league. Um, he's, he's, I mean, there's really no sign of relief from him. I mean, really the only, the only couple pluses are Christian Walker, Cattell Marte, um, and maybe Starling Marte a little bit, but not really. Uh, this team has two home runs through the first 10 games of the season. Oh, that's killer. Which is oh. not good. Uh, I oh, tweeted out yesterday a couple pretty daunting stats. Um, they're hitting 199 as a team. Uh, it's like, a, I think it's 280 slugging percentage. So, I mean, as far as offense is concerned, that is that is probably the biggest worry. They they struggled to really do anything against Clayton Kershaw in his first outing. And, again, it is Clayton Kershaw. I get it, but it is his first start of the year. And the Diamondbacks are a team that historically has success against him. And you would have liked to see – at least a run up on the board when he was in when he was in the game or just over the course of the game they got shut out for the first time all year. Um, yeah, things aren't great, uh, but and it is you know it's 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 an, it's amazing me for me to say that we're already a sixth of the way through the season and this team is in last place. Uh, but I will say after the Astros series, there is a little bit of relief. So. If they can get on a bit of a roll against uh, like the Giants and the Rockies, um, and you know second time around against San Diego, you know then maybe maybe there's uh, there's a bright future ahead. But as of right now, it's not looking great. Ryan, let's hear about the Royals. Okay, I don't even know where to go. I don't. I have never been this frustrated with the start of a season, and I thought last year was bad. And I am I'm furious at this point. The fact that Danny Duffy goes six innings, gives up one run, and the offense goes five innings without having a, a runner on base shows just sums up the season so far. First off, the Royals each and every year have statistically been one of the league's best defensive teams. Where do they rank right now? Do you want to take a guess? Dead last. Last. Dead last with oh, 14 errors. Oh. This has never been an issue. The Royals have always been at the top of the league in errors. The past three years, they've led the league in the least amount of errors, and now they're dead freaking last. It's pathetic. The, my one concern going into this whole season is the pitch was – the pitching. And that's not even been the biggest issue. I think Matheny has done a horrible job so far with the pitching. Tonight was the first time all year that a Royals pitcher has gone six innings. Oh, oh, oh. That's tough, man. And Duffy pitched great. He did. And yet, you can't get one run for him. You can't get one run. The whole season, it has been the Royals have given themselves countless opportunities. First and second, no outs. Runner on second and third, one out. Can't execute. What made the Royals so good in 2015 was they played small ball. You get a run on first, you steal, or you bunt them over. They aren't doing that. It's, they've been terrific at sucking. 
and it has just been the most frustrating season for me because this team should not be three and eight. First off, <laughs> they shouldn't have lost a game in Detroit. Should have won all four of those games. There's not even a doubt. They had the lead in both of the losses. Then you get swept in your home opening series. I don't care if there's no damn fans. I don't. You shouldn't lose on your home field and get swept like that. Yesterday against the White Sox, seventh inning, going into it, tied 2-2. Give up seven runs. Glenn Sparkman, relief pitcher. Easy ground ball to end the inning. Right back to him. Takes two steps. Ready to throw it over to Perez at first. Air mails it over his head. Three more runs come in. Do you know what it's like? It's like watching the 2010 Royals, who had damn near 110 losses, is what it looks like. At this point, thank God there is not a 162-game season. They need to get Dozier back. They need to get Keller back. Judas looked good, and he only went four and a third. I swear, if Matheny does not let these pitchers go longer than he's letting them go, I'm probably going to lose it. But this team is so much better than three and eight, and yet they're three and eight. If they could just actually execute and put runs on the board, then let's see what happens. Because the bullpen has actually surprisingly impressed me besides a couple those last two games in, against the White Sox. They've actually surprised me. Pitching stuff's been fine. The hitting, awful. The defense, awful. Twice this year already, a ball has gone off of our outfielder's gloves and over the wall for a home run. Twice. Do you know how embarrassing that is? Uh, no, I wouldn't because that's never happened to a single player on my team. It is just completely frustrating. And I'm going to say this. The biggest disappointment has been Raul Mondesi. Nope, he's not Raul anymore. He's Adalberto. Awful. Matheny decides to move him down to five, or, to five and six. He has one hit and then three hits. Moves him back up to two. Strikes out three times. Matheny has been – I was excited for this because I thought he'd bring some energy, some excitement because Yost didn't bring that. He was older. He wasn't – his heart wasn't fully in it. Yet, Yost would not have this team at 3-8. and eight. Granted, they'd probably be more like 4-7. Uh, and seven. Still better. They wouldn't have 14 errors. So, yes, I'm basically just frustrated and losing my mind, but I'm still not going to stop watching. But, Dom, go ahead and talk about how your team is good for once, but we're just waiting for them to, for them to choke. Dude, I, I, I love watching a winning baseball team. This has never really happened to me in my lifetime. The last time the Potters had a winning season was 2010. You guys have heard me say this on the show several times. Do you even remember this that? Do you even remember that? I mean, I, I don't five really – Five players on that team. Go. Matt Latos, Adrian Gonzalez, Kevin Kuzminoff, Chase Headley. Was Carlos uh, Heath Bell. 
I mean, I can I can name players on that team. I I don't remember me physically watching a single game that season. I remember parts of that season. I certainly remember being in Santa Barbara when we traded for Miguel Tejada and Ryan Ludwig. We traded Corey Kluber for Ryan Ludwig, and then we blew an eight-game division lead in September to miss the playoffs. If that's not pain, I don't know what is. So uh, that's the Padre way, and that's coming, buddy. That's coming. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Uh, I hope it does because I hate this grin on your face right now because I love hearing Because I'm happy? Because I'm happy? Wow. Wow, Ryan. That's not very nice. See, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I was happy for you. I was sad because I knew you were going to be annoying about it, but I was happy for you. Uh, But the Padres – You've just sat here the whole time with just this wide grin on your face. Because it's funny how you think the Royals are, like, actually a good team. When I don't think they're a good team. They're better than 3-8, and eight, though. Okay, maybe, like, 4-7. and 5-6. And and okay, <laughs> fine. They should, have beat the, they should have beat the Tigers twice more. Who cares? The Tigers actually aren't that bad for some reason. I don't know. They took a couple games from Cincy, who... Yeah, I, I don't think they are, but the, their record says otherwise. You know. uh, Go but, ahead. hey, hey, well, let, let's talk about the boys of Brown, the San Diego Padres. 7-4, lead the league in runs per game. Fun fact. Uh, I don't think I would have ever said that as a Padres fan. And that was certainly not my expectation coming into the season. But the Padres have been getting on base at an extremely high rate. That's something it never happens they've always been a team that relies on big innings and not really getting on base on walks and that's something that really happened early on in the season and there's been games where the Padres did a really good job of getting the starting pitchers and Cole saw that firsthand with the Diamondbacks Diamondbacks pitchers didn't go very deep into games outside of Madison Bumgarner but they worked him up to 100 pitches and then that final inning they finally they finally got to him name of the game and- was was just wearing the starting pitching down. They did a really good job of it that entire series. And then they got to the bullpen and they kept their foot on the gas. I mean, that's really all you can say about it. Right. Except for the third game in which the Diamondbacks showed their true talent. <laughs> it, was, it was the opposite. Right. I think, I think we all know the Diamondbacks are, are significantly better than their start they've gotten off to. They just need to find their groove. Fortunately, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of time to do that with the Rockies performing well. That already takes up a playoff spot. If, that holds up, mm-hmm. but Padres have, have looked good. I I'm enjoying watching this team for once. I'm enjoying looking at the team's uniforms. They're beautiful. No one can dispute that. Uh, and I'm just happy that they're, they're playing winning baseball. They look like a playoff team with expanded playoffs, even without expanded playoffs, they'd have a shot. And I, I can't wait to watch the season. So, uh, now that that uh, that conversation's over, I I brought a little more positive light to it. <laughs> Let's talk about the standings because we are already six of the way through the season. It's it feels weird saying that, given yeah. that we've only been playing for just over a week, but it's it's what's true. Yeah. And well, let's start with the. Uh, let's start with the National League because the National League is the cool league. Yeah, and you see up top in the standings, you got the Chicago Cubs at eight and two, and I know that none of us were really expecting this. Uh, their pitching staff has performed exceedingly well, considering the low expectations that everyone had for them. 
coming to the season. Do we think the Cubs can hold off the Reds going forward? Because I, I'm i a huge believer in the Reds, and I think that once they get playing well, once they, now they've got Moustakis back, they're getting Votto back, I think they're going to be a really good team. They're getting good pitching out of Sonny Gray. This three quality starts leads the league in strikeouts, or the NL at least. And, you know, Trevor Bauer had a nice uh, seven-inning shutout uh, yesterday in their doubleheader with the Tigers. I think – I don't know. I the, the the Cubs are weird. They're just so – they're so streaky. In, in a season where being streaky matters, I mean, just take a look at the Rockies, who seemingly always start off well, and then June and July rolls around, and they can't hit a baseball, they can't pitch a baseball, and the whole team just kind of goes off the rails. But – you know, that doesn't really matter when it comes to this type of season. I don't know. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think I, I'm like I'm like you, Dom, in a sense. I, I believe Cincinnati's a, a, a much better team than the 5-5 five and five record shows um, right now. And I think they're in a good spot to to really show that in this series that they've got against the Indians. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think this is a team that you see it a lot with guys who are coming in and when you have a big offseason, you're seeing it with the White Sox as well, that it takes time to get going. You got to build that chemistry, especially with this type of season where you had that long break from each other. You have to rebuild that and get used to playing with each other, and they're getting to that point. This is a way better team than 5-5, five and five, I'm going to be honest. They have a great one-two punch. They have a great starting rotation. This is a team that I believe is going to overcome the Cubs. Granted, the Cubs could win the next three games and sweep the Royals and be 11-2. and two. They but, will. Well, what, Dom? They will. No, they won't. The Royals will get one. Okay. I, I, I think that's fair. One. Yeah, that, that, that was all I asked out of the Padres-Dodgers series, and I already got that. So, uh, Do you want a cookie? I would love a cookie, Ryan. I'm honestly kind of hungry. Okay, buddy. Well, regardless of food or whatever, um, <laughs> speaking of the Reds, I mean, Nick Castellanos is coming for the MVP. I mean, right. you can't really yeah. talk about this team without talking about him. I mean, talk yeah. about uh, best off-season acquisition, like new new faces, new places kind of performance. Yeah. He's definitely he's performing the best out of, out of anyone who's on a different team right now. I mean, he's he really looks good. I mean, I think we all anticipated he was going to mash in that park. Um, I think it's five home runs in the last six games. He's uh, got four. Yeah, four. He's got yeah. a two sixty four OPS plus though. That's yeah. hashtag good. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. and look at how late he signed. He was one of the last big free agents to sign and he's killing it yeah he's doing a very I, good job. we expected this from the reds though a team that can just hit for power and that's what they're doing Cassianos he leads the nl in home runs with five he's killing it he's going to be a key part to this team for the rest of the way and like dom said their game is talk is back they got Votto back that's key you know you're seeing teams who are haunted by injuries and getting those two back is huge and i just expect them to keep trending upwards I think Suarez is gonna he's gonna do something at some point. So he's gonna uh, figure it out. Yeah, he's too he's good of a hitter. Figure it out. You're just just gotta be patient. And 
it's I think what you're seeing with a lot of these players, not just with the Reds, but throughout the entire league, their timing is off because of the break that they had. It don't it didn't really help them. It hurt them because they weren't working out. They aren't in the cages every single day. They were sitting at home trying to do stuff, but not in the same routine. So I think that's going to hurt players, and they're still trying to catch up and trying to get to the point where they have to be in midseason form right away. Yeah, while we're talking about this division, can we talk about how the Pirates are 2-8 and eight with a negative 13 run differential? <laughs> that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. They got, uh, Brian, I mean, Reynolds. They got Brian Reynolds. He's, he's playing pretty well right now, though. I saw Newman hit a home run yesterday. Mm. They, have, they have a bright future ahead. They've got some talented pieces. Saw Mitch Keller got hurt. Uh, that's not good for their future. He's really talented starting pitcher. But pirate, but but continue. I'm going to touch on it after you're done talking. Uh, the pirates just aren't ready. They're they're uh, they're a team down the line. Excuse me, Colin Moran is the one who's actually doing pretty well, not Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds is hitting yeah. 143 for the record. Yeah, Colin Moran's hitting the ball really well. Yeah, but Tied to the National League leading homers or league lead. I'm going to. Talk about the one thing that I've enjoyed from the Royal season so far, because I, I forgot to mention it. Brady Singer. Brady Singer has actually shown a lot. And I think having them bring up Chris Bubich a lot and having him start right away, I really like that. I think if this season continues like this, you're probably going to see Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar. You're going to see a lot of these guys come up and just start playing. And I think you could also see Bobby Witt, because what's the point if you're going to be – three and 11 and just have no chance and are given up, just bring up the new, just bring up the young guys and get them some experience. So, and I think the best part with how they handled the Bubich call up is that the amount of games that he's played and that first time on the roster will not count as a full service here. So that's huge for the Royals moving forward. I loving what they're doing, giving the young guys chances. Singer shown a lot. He, his slider, his off-speed is moving a ton. And I just think his ability to hit 95, 96 constantly is terrific. So that's been the one bright spot for me so far. Yes, we, we love owners manipulating their players' careers. We, we love to see that. Oh, so let's talk. Osborne hit a bomb yesterday. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the NL East, uh, the NL, the NL West. Uh-huh. This this division has been interesting because they have the Miami Marlins in second place despite them only playing three games due to the coronavirus outbreak within their team, which we will talk about later. We want to talk about actual baseball first. But the Braves that are top this division at 7-4, and four, they dropped tonight's game to the New York Mets. We'll also talk about the starting pitcher for the Braves of that game in a little bit. But this division's been weird because the Nationals were scheduled to play the Marlins, so they've missed out on some games. The Phillies, they were forced to quarantine because they played the Marlins. They were in action tonight, lost to the Yankees. And then the Mets, the Lowell Mets. Uh, they, they've lived up to that nickname this year. They've been kind of a train wreck. Ioana Cespedes opted out in the middle of the season, didn't report to the camp or didn't report to the game. The Mets had no idea where he was. It's kind of funny. It was also kind of scary at the same time just because you didn't know like, if he was actually missing. 
Uh, what do we think of this division? Uh, is this the Braves' division to win? Uh, can the Nationals sneak up on them once Juan Soto finally plays? Or what else? I really think it's the Braves' division to lose. I mean, I really don't think – I mean, if the Mets are going to continue to to decline as hard as they've been so far and everyone's going to, you know, you know, Mets going to Met, that's the saying. So if they're going to continue to do that um, and if the Nationals are going to fail to um, really do anything good and if the rest of the division is going to, I mean, keep going to clubs and – not practice uh, the league policies and everything like that. It's it's a, it's a hot mess. Um, no, I honestly think Atlanta's like we've pretty much all anticipated from the start. They're 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 kind of the the favorites in this division, and it's really theirs to lose. Um, I still think. Uh, I mean, I, I really there's really nothing else you can really say about it. I mean, I really think Atlanta's just still is and probably will be till the end of the year unless anything catastrophic happens the favorites well something catastrophic happened today yeah i was just no. about to mention that but well, at the same but at the same time it's not it's not like it's not gonna they can still recover from it i mean it's it's a huge but, loss but they're still gonna i think they'll still be able to navigate the situation they'll be fine yeah we'll get into that more later but with my look on the NL East, I think that Juan Soto not playing is in, is a huge concern, especially knowing that he's gotten some false positives. What other players might have false positives? There's so many flaws in the testing that a lot of this could be blown out of proportion if these guys do get false positives. I'm not saying that's being blown out of proportion at all, but I'm just saying what if. But moving on with the NL East, the whole thing with the ONS Espinus is weird, completely. What he did was completely unprofessional, and he shouldn't have done it. Well, I mean, he opted out, so, like, it doesn't matter. The, way the word he is that he actually opted – he actually informed the club that he was going to opt out the day before, and there was some misunderstanding. And then their press release was essentially almost framing him and making him look like the bad guy. It was Lil' Mets. Again, Mets going to Met. Yeah, the Mets are a mess. Right. They've – they – our mess like usual just like their whole thing with carlos beltron and with them trying to sell the team it's a mess the mets are gonna met that's all we can really give it at this point but the braves they're gonna win this division there's just look at what's been going on so far throughout this year have they started off completely terrific no but they're they're getting their ground yet will this injury to soroka put them a step back probably but this is a team that has so much star power, and I still think they'll get past, and this will be a team that, at the end, is going to be fighting with the Dodgers to get to that World Series and to win the Fall Classic. Right, and they're 7-4. and four. Ronald Acuna Jr. is not playing well at all. Ozzy Albies is not playing well at all, and Freddie Freeman hasn't looked like Freddie Freeman. He's playing better than the other two, but he hasn't looked that great. And they're still seven and four. They're still sitting on top of the division because their pitching staff, out. yeah, their pitching staff is performing out. well. Dansby Swanson, their bullpen looks good too. Their bullpen looks good. Dansby Swanson has been unbelievable. He's finally looking like the shortstop that the Arizona Diamondbacks drafted. I'm uh, sorry. No, it's okay. We have Ahmed. You need you need yeah, to see this. Like Nick. Dansby Swanson this year. 
And I think this is his redemption year, and it's really coming to fruition. It's great to see him doing something and bouncing back. But I think them getting back Nick Morkakis is big because after he opted out, they went to get Yasiel Puig, and his contract was terminated after he tested positive for COVID. So getting him back, I think, is huge. So this is a team that even when their best players aren't playing to the top of their game, they're still winning games and they're still sitting at the top of the division when they're not playing their best ball. So this is a team that's dangerous on any day. Yeah, I think we've said enough about this division. It's gonna be this division is gonna be super weird for the rest of the year. Let's talk about the NL West. The Rockies surprisingly are sitting at seven and two. Uh, they've only allowed 30 runs on the season, which is very unlike the Rockies. They're only a team that scores a lot of runs and then all has a lot of runs. And it's just more of can we out our opponents? Sanio Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers are right behind them at seven and four. San Francisco Giants, they haven't looked as bad as a lot of people, including all of us, would have thought. They're at five and six. They took two games from the Dodgers, which is awesome. They they took a game from the Texas Rangers and they took a game from or they took two games from the Texas Rangers and they took a game from the Padres. And then at the bottom of the division are the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have twenty seven runs scored, which is among the least in the league. And when you consider the fact that the teams below them have had several games uh, postponed or canceled due to COVID-19, that's really concerning. So do we see the Rockies holding on atop of this division or at least finishing in front of the Padres? Because I think we're all going to agree the Dodgers are going to win this division. It just is inevitable. Yeah, of course. But how do we see the rest of this division filing out? Because this division's been really wacky so far. No one's where they expected to be. Yeah, I think uh, again, I, I mentioned it before. Colorado has this knack for like playing really well to start the season. They they get off to very strong starts, um, and they're streaky. And you want to be a, probably a streaky team in a good way in a season like this, because you know, obviously, since it's not a marathon, and it, you know, the whole term is it's not a marathon; it's a sprint. You know, that's that's what you want. You want to be a, a sprint kind of team. And I think that's what, what Colorado is. They're, they, they're successful in short bursts. And um, it's crazy that they're 7-2. and two And Nolan Arenado, who is arguably – really not even arguably, he is their best player, is is finally starting to really come, come around. He's put some good swings on the ball. He hit his first homer tonight of the season. Um, they're getting a um, a lot of production out of Trevor Story, which I mean, you know, what would you, what else would you expect? Um, but it's just impressive to see that they're seven and two, and their superstars aren't even having to do all the work as they normally are, as they normally have to. So they they won't hold the division lead, but I wouldn't be surprised at this rate if they sneak into third and maybe even into the playoffs. You know, this is a team that's been shocking. I think that Trevor Story's been a beast all year, and he's really showing that he is in the argument to be one of the league's top shortstops. This is someone that people give not enough credit to because he plays at Coors Field. It's a hitter's ballpark and all that, but he's mashing the ball. He's been carrying the load because Arenado hasn't started the season off like Arenado. Like Cole said, he's starting to get it going. Like you said, he had his first home run of the year. 
but Story's been carrying that load, and it shows. The pitching's looked a lot better than I definitely thought it would look, <laughs> but that'll taper off. Just, just wait, just wait. But I don't think they take they keep a hold of the division at all. I think the Dodgers are going to come out of nowhere. Well, not really. They're just going to come back and win the division. I still think the Diamondbacks can come back. They have the potential to win, to not win, to get into second or third place if they can keep this up. I think that if the starting pitching staff can perform even remotely close to where they where they're performing right now, they're they're a playoff team for sure. The lineup is so loaded. Uh, like you mentioned, Trevor Story, he's been mashing the ball. He's also been playing really good defense. He's second best shortstop in all baseball. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to join the conversation with him and Francisco Lindor about the best shortstop in baseball soon. And then you don't also want to forget about Corey Seager. Corey Seager obviously doesn't meet any of those guys defensively, but he's swinging a really hot bat right now. But I think the Rockies can definitely get into the playoffs, especially with the Arizona Diamondbacks not playing Super Bowl right now. Their their lineup's good. If their pitching staff can perform like this, they should be a playoff team. And the fact that they released Jake McGee and uh, was it and Brian Shaw before the season started, and their bullpen is still performing decently well. Their starting pitching staff has held up. This this team, I think, can definitely make the postseason for the third time in four years. So now let's move on. Let's talk about the American League. We'll start in the East because. The Baltimore Orioles are in second place. I repeat, the Baltimore Orioles are in second place. You know, the Yankees, they're they're out in front by two and a half games already. I would have figured the Tampa Bay Rays would have been a little closer, but Tampa Bay Rays, they struggled on their road trip. They got swept by the Orioles. They got swept by the Orioles. I picked them to win the American League. That can't happen. Uh, Other than that, this division – isn't really too shocking other than the fact that the Boston Red Sox, they're, they're in last. I, I expected them to be in fourth place, but certainly didn't expect them to be three and seven, but they, they've been playing just about how I expected out of them. What do you guys think about this division? It's weird. Just like the, I mean, just like the rest of the league, it'll shape out and look a lot, a lot more like everyone would have probably expected it to look as the season draws on but I mean Baltimore in second place like come on that's not that's not gonna last and if you think it's gonna last and if it does end up lasting for some miracle I mean that just confirms that this year's a fluke and there's really I mean really anything goes I guess I mean I don't know it's just bizarre I think uh I think the Yankees are obviously playing up to standards to say the least, honestly, I'm 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 honestly kind of surprised they're not even really undefeated. Um, but I mean, one loss is only one loss. Um, good time to be a Yankee fan. Uh, what is a bad time to be a Yankee fan? I, I exactly. I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe in some Octobers. Um, but I guess I don't know. I th- I really think you're gonna see Tampa Bay be pretty pissed off or motivated after that last uh, road trip. So um, I think they're going to kind of be playing with a little bit of fire under their butts, if you will, um, uh, in these next coming series. So 
Talking about the AL least, the Yankees, we knew they were going to take the division. We knew they were going to be one of the league's best teams, if not the best. And that's what they're proving. Judges killing the ball. Then you have Stanton, who started off hot, killing the ball. This is a team, one through nine, that can just do anything. They can get on base. They can score runs. I wish the Royals could do that. But this is a team, one through nine, they're dangerous anywhere. And I expect a lot from this team. I think the Rays have been disappointing, just like the Diamondbacks. No offense, Cole. But it's just these are two teams that I think can bounce back, but they just got to get going. And I think you're seeing it with a lot of teams. You're at the point where at this point when you're starting a season, you have time to adjust. You don't have that this year. You have to be ready. It's like midseason form now. And you're just being thrown into it. So these guys have just got to really get back into their groove, and then you can see some more results. So, But the Orioles in second place is just mind-boggling to me. So having one hot weekend, boom. They also took two out of three from Boston. That was pretty funny. But uh, it will also be interesting to see how Austin Meadows returning from COVID-19 will impact the – Tampa Bay Rays lineup because their their lineup has been a big problem for them. Only scoring 46 runs. Uh, pitching staff has held up pretty well. They do have a positive run differential. They're just losing some really close games. Be interesting to see how they react when Meadows comes back. Uh, let's move. Let's move out west. Let's go with the AL West. Sitting at top of the division is the Oakland Athletics. Right behind them, the Houston Astros. It's how we all expected it to be. Those guys one and two. Whichever way you predicted, that was up to you. And the rest of the division is in the cellar. Texas Rangers, they're three and five. They're in third. Seattle Mariners actually haven't been as bad as a lot of people would have thought. Kyle Lewis is probably the front runner for American League Rookie of the Year. I'll talk more about him later. Uh, they're sitting at four and seven. And the Los Angeles Angels have been really good leading up to the eighth inning. And after that, they have been really bad. As our, our dear friend uh, Nick Odell says, uh, he is he's got his beautiful meme where he he, uh, he put his face on top of Bernie Sanders and said, "I am now asking for a competent Angels bullpen," and I thought that was pretty funny. But he's right. All the Angels need is a decent bullpen, and they're probably honestly a playoff team. Uh, but they don't have that, and they are not a playoff team. That's all that needs to be said. Uh, what do you guys make of this division? Do you see the A's and Astros being on top the entire way? Who do you see winning that division? And what do we make of it? I think it's pretty much as expected. Um, you've got your top two um, right there, uh, sort of neck and neck to start things off. And then you've got the other three sort of fighting for um, fighting for the remaining spots other than last place. Uh, I just think the Angels, I, for who, for whatever reason, everyone thought the Angels were going to be solid this year. And I mean, this, I mean, reality has finally hit. The pitching is just, it's the pitching's not there. There's, no, I mean, and um, you lose Shohei Otani, which we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, that's not good at all. <laughs> and, um, you know, the bullpen is performing up to Angels standards early on, um, which is uh, 
pretty abysmal. Um, and then aside from that, you lose Mike Trout for a few games because of paternity leave. Congratulations to him, by the way. Um, and that's that's a big loss, even if it's only for a few games. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really – I'm not really surprised about that whole thing. I think the Mariners are just showcasing their bright future. Uh, they really have no intentions of winning right now, so they're just trying to get guys meaningful reps. Um, in a short season when really you can sort of take the reins off of everyone, if you will, um, and, and say, you know what, go out there and just do your best. So I really, I really think the angels are, are just doing a, a good job of showcasing their talent for the future. Um, and then Texas has gotten really good starts out of Lance Lynn. Um, uh, aside from that, I mean, Joey Gallo has been doing Joey Gallo things. Um, and yeah, I think Houston is, Houston's not doing, and I think you're starting to see uh, how how big that advantage they've had for arguably the last two or three seasons, definitely in 2017, really made a difference. I mean, Bregman, Bregman struggling, struggling out of the gate, um, Altuve struggling out of the gate. Uh, Correa's not doing the best. Um, pretty much their entire lineup's kind of in a slump right now. And am I surprised? No. Um, they lose Justin Verlander for the rest of the year. Huge blow. Um, that's not good at all for their sake. And then the A's are just, you know, they're solid. So I, I really, honestly, up and down, this is kind of how I would have expected it to go. It's really the only division in baseball right now that aside from the central that doesn't really uh, surprise me um, at the moment. But I mean, I still think the Astros will finish in first and I think the A's will finish in second. And yeah. You know, you're just seeing what the Astros really are. <laughs> like you're seeing that the cheating is having a bigger advantage than people think people, there were some people that were saying it didn't make a difference at all. Look at what's doing. Like Cole, you said, their lamps is slump. They're, got, they're top guys who have won MVP or been in contention are struggling. And it's just showing. I think the loss of Verlander is starting to really hit them. And it's not confirmed on whether he's done for the year, but there's, that, there's the potentiality of that happening. And I don't think that the Astros are ready for that. If that happens, the Astros could be in major trouble. They're struggling. I think that this is a time for the A's to take advantage of it. If there's a time now for the A's to get a big lead in the West, it's now before the chances of Verlander coming back healthy and dominating. You got to take advantage while they're at their weakest. And tonight showed it. They put up eight runs in an inning and they're starting to turn it around. So the A's. They got to take advantage of what's in front of them. Otherwise, they could end up getting second division. I still think they'll get first. That's my prediction. Could be wrong. But going at the bottom of it, what do you expect? You knew that it was going to be like this. The Mariners are showing, like you both said, a ton of potential. They, their future's bright. But looking at the Angels, the Angels are just kind of a dumpster fire when it comes to pitching. Their bullpen is not very good it's no their bullpen is just bad and you're seeing how 
Yeah, especially yesterday. They were winning 4-2. to two. Bullpen blew it. And they end up losing in extras. So this is a time where you're seeing the Angels bullpen just kill them once and once again. It's kind of like the Mets. <laughs> but looking at the Rangers, I think the loss of Corey Kluber is bad. It sucks to see, especially because they just traded for him. They expected to have him, and they just lost him. Is he done for the year? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he is, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's mm-hmm. done for the year. That's what I thought. And he only pitched one inning. This was a team that a lot of people expected, especially with their rotation, that could get into the playoffs. And now they're playing They're just at least, at least compete for a wild card spot. Yeah, yeah, to be competing for a wild card spot. And now they're not. Losing their new ace is the last thing that they wanted. A former Cy Young winner, that's, that's a big blow. And I don't, know what to th- I don't know what to expect the rest of the way for this team, but it's, this is the one division that's really cut clear that's going to be between the Athletics and the Astros and then the rest are at the bottom. Yeah, this division has basically unfolded like we all kind of expected. Mariners have been a little bit better than we expected. Angels have been a little worse than we expected. I'd expect that to kind of even in itself out. The Angels' offense is going to perform eventually, and the Mariners are going to lose when they play their good teams. So let's now look at the AL Central, uh, Ryan's division. Up top, we got Minnesota Twins. Everyone expected that. Right behind them, Chicago White Sox, the team that you guys had at second place for the division. You guys have so far been correct about that. White Sox on a five-game winning streak after starting one and four. So they're starting to turn things around. Behind them, the Detroit Tigers at five and five. No one expected that. Everyone expected them to be the worst team in baseball. Uh, not, Not the Kansas City Royals, but the Detroit Tigers. And... Right behind them, the Cleveland Indians at 5-6. and six. They lost a tough one to the Reds tonight. They could have been in third place. And in fourth place, the Kansas City Royals. So what do we think about this division? Do we see it playing out how it is with two top teams, White Sox and Twins, and then the Indians falling in behind them? And then I think we all will agree the Tigers will slide down. Mute. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I still think it's – yeah, I, I agree. I think the Tigers are going to drop. Um, I think the Indians um, will get a little better. I, I still got a really good feeling on the White Sox. I'm pretty high on them. I like their offense. Um, they called up Nick Madrigal the other day at a four-hit uh, game. That was pretty cool. Um, aside from that, I mean, Minnesota is just mashing, which that's kind of just what they do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a team. There, this is a team that you know they do really well in the regular season, and they play really well against their division. But when it comes time to uh, when we get like to the postseason, um, things are going to really get tough for them. I think you'll see them have a really good record. Um, I mean, they honestly might win 45 games. I could totally see it considering just how, how 
competitive the whole central region of the league is. I mean, it's it's not as competitive as as other divisions or regions are. So I don't know. I think the Twins are going to run away with this one, but I think the White Sox are going to follow suit and do pretty well as well. Looking at this division, it's the Twins to win. It's you see it. I want to give a huge shout out to Nelson Cruz. He's 40 and he's continually hitting the ball and one of the league's top DHs. So the Twins, I think that they're they're not gonna let go of the top. They're a team that I think is gonna take the two seed the two seed in the playoffs in the AL. This team is really good. And I'm not excited for the Royals to play them starting on Friday, but they're they're probably gonna sweep them and it just shows they're another lineup that's just filled with power. Like you saw them last year. They lost CJ Crone to the Tigers, but what do they do? They go out and get Josh Donaldson. They got better with that. They're a terrific team. I think their pitching is underrated. This is a team that is extremely dangerous. Looking at second place between the White Sox and the Indians, between our predictions, of course, the White Sox are a team that had to figure it out because there's so much overhaul when you bring in that experience to pair with their youth. And it's starting to come through. Robert hit his first home run. You're seeing Grandal starting to get going. And Carnacion is still a big piece there because he brings that he brings the veteran piece to that team. You got James McCann who's still there. Jose Abreu, Moncada. That team is loaded. They're super good. And then you've got Nick Madrigal, who was just called up, and he's going to be a key piece for them. You look at that team, they're starting to show what they're made of, and it's only going to get better and better, and they're only going to go higher. And I don't know if I can say that about the Indians, but the Indians, they have the best pitcher in the AL. Shane Bieber has been electric in his, in his two starts so far. He's 27 strikeouts over two outings. That's that's insane. And before Dom says it, yes, one of them was against the Royals. But he's he's the reason why I chose him at the beginning. I should not have gone away from it, but I did. And he's the reason why he's Dom's pick, I still believe, right? He's still your pick? Bieber? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. had Bieber. Cole had Julito, and Julito had a rough first outing. Yeah. But, but that's the one pick I have that's doing well. Yeah, and he's they still got a great rotation. They got Carrasco, they've got Clevenger, and they've got they've got Bieber. There's what else can I say? It's honestly a two man race right now in my in my eyes so far. And it's I think Bieber, if he continues like this, he's gonna get Cy Young for sure. He's just that good. And you thought you saw a lot from him last year. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. And then the Tigers, they should not have five wins. Just saying it out loud. They should have three. But C.J. Crone's been good for them. He's been hitting the ball really well. So, good for the Tigers. But just wait till they just continue to fall apart. And then we don't need to get back into the Royals. Frustrated. But hopefully they can turn it around. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to say at this point. Don't want to get back into it. C.J. Crone, golden sombrero recipient. That's all I got to say. I'd like to address that. Two of them came against the Royals. Just saying. 
You guys almost have as many golden sombreros for your opponents than wins. Congrats, Ryan. You, know you played right into yourself there. You played you know right what? into yourself there. You know what, Dom? That was good. I'll give you credit for that. That was good. Thank but... you. Thank you. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to be nice. I like to think I'm funny. I like to think I'm funny. You're all right. All right. Uh, I, 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 you know, <laughs> agree to disagree. So uh, let's talk about a couple things outside of standings and just teams. So big news this week was Joe Kelly. He, he threw out the Astros players. We we don't need to dodge any bullets there. He he chucked a three zero fastball above the head of Alex Bregman. You know, an effective pitch it sends a message. Bregman doesn't get hit. I like it. Not opposed to it. And then he, he lost all control of the fastball after that, and he just started throwing curveballs. And one of them happened to go right over the head of Carlos Correa. And then Carlos Correa didn't realize that he couldn't throw a fastball. Maybe it's because he wasn't using the trash cans. He chased a two-strike curveball in the dirt, and he struck out. And then Joe Kelly said some expletives towards the Astros dugout, and the Astros dugout was like, dude, shut up, you suck. Uh, they came out, and then Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker were both punished for it. And Joe Kelly was, was suspended eight games. And the main talk around social media was that Joe Kelly was suspended, was punished more by Major League Baseball than all the Astros players were. Uh, so I'll let you guys talk about this because I can, I can talk about it at the, at the end. I know I'm probably going to disagree with you guys on this, but well, let's hear what you guys have to say. I mean, I think I think where we're at now, it's a little too little too late to sit here and say, you know, why are we why are we still not suspending the Astros players? Like it, we we can't. I mean, the league's not going to go back at this point and look at it and suspend players. Um, the rule was this year that if you if you threw at guys, you were going to get thrown out of games. They were going to tighten up. They were going to tighten up on this kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, you're seeing it in full effect with Joe Kelly. Um, do I think he was sending a message? Absolutely. Um, do I stand behind it? Absolutely. But I think it's just a little too little too late. That's really all I have to say about it. I think it's ridiculous that he got suspended eight games. That's 13% of this season. And then the equivalent to – 162 game season. That's 22 games. When have you ever heard of that kind of suspension like that? I think it's ridiculous. And Manfred's just proving how big of a joke he really is with this. I think that he's continually showing how big of a joke and how awful of a commissioner he is. You know what? He threw at him. Should he have? He shouldn't have thrown at the head. I. You don't even know if he really intended to throw at his head, but he, it happened. So, I think that he should not be suspended eight games at all. I think that's ridiculous. So what? He after, he struck out Correa and said, nice swing, expletive. Cool. I don't think that that warrants eight-game suspension at all. And rightfully so, he's appealing it. I think it's ridiculous that Manfred's like, yeah, you deserve eight games for that. Stop protecting the Astros. They cheated. I don't know why you're trying to protect them. You sure suspended them instead of giving them a slap on the wrist. 
That's just how it is. That I, in my opinion, you should have seen Altuve, Bregman. You should have seen a lot of those guys suspended for at least 15 games for what they did. No, absolutely not. Why? So we get to watch minor leaguers play? No, that's awful. I think they should have been suspended. That's, no, that's my that's, side on it. No, that's so bad, Ryan. Come on, dude. It, they should have been no. fined. Is what they should have been fined. They were. Is fine. they were. No, yes, the players they were, were not fined. The players were not fined. The organization. The, at, the organization was fined. Who cares? The well, owner. You're, you're fining a player that's coming from the organization. <laughs> they they didn't find any of the players. The players were given immunity to speak the truth. That's what happened. The I know organization that. was fined. I know that. The players were not fined. The players should have been fined. Should have said, hey, we're going to find you all, say, $50,000 because we know not all of you make millions of dollars. And you're going to come and you're going to come tell us the truth. And if you don't do that, then we're going to suspend you. That's what they should have done. That's what they didn't do because Manfred, Manfred sucks. You know, but you can't let these pitchers just throw at the players. Then you're endangering the safety of them. I understand that he's defending what Joe, what Joe Kelly did. He shouldn't have a – if he meant to throw out his head, that's awful. You should not allow yeah, that. He did. Are you kidding? Did you not – you don't just accidentally throw the ball like 20 feet over Bregman's head. That doesn't just happen. That doesn't, especially as a pro, it doesn't just slip right. out of your hand no. at, nine, at 95 plus. I'm not going to infer anything. I'm going to. He threw at him. It's not a tough no, thing. He threw at him. It's obvious. But you but you can't just go out and say that he automatically was going straight for the head. I don't think you can say that. He was trying to send a message. I don't think he was trying to deliberately hit him. Right. In the head. He was just trying. And to I think Manfred was also trying to send a message by suspending him. Hey, games, saying, "Hey, don't do this. Yeah, just don't do it. It's it. You're it's you're going to get suspended." Example. Yeah, and I think Joe Kelly is going to get his suspension reduced to probably two or three games, and I think yeah. I think that's reasonable considering the situation. Pitched, yeah. a scroll, pitched the weirdest scoreless inning, the weirdest scoreless one, two, three inning of probably MLB history tonight. Uh, and he's going to get his suspension reduced. I thought, uh, I thought Manfred handled this part well. What he, how he handled in the off season was just awful. I still think he. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just as, you know, I'm just as up in arms as the next guy is about all this stuff. But I think, you know, we're in the middle of, of the 2020 season and you've already we've already set policies in place. We need to abide by them. And if Joe Kelly's going to do what he did, um, then he needs to he, he needs to face the consequences. Do I think eight games is a lot? Absolutely. But I again, I think it's 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 sort of setting the example. It's like, guys, don't do this. We're not we're not. We're not condoning this. And then the benches end up clearing. And you don't want to fight and and risk players being exposed to COVID. You know, that's where a lot of that can probably stem from and happen. You know, one thing leads to another in this sport. And if you're going to look back on it and be like, well, the reason this all happened was because Joe, Joe Kelly wasn't following protocol, then, you know, that's, that, that, that's, that's planting the seed, if you will for a bunch of other bad stuff that end up happening. So it's, it's just, it's just setting it in place saying, Hey, don't do this. Okay. As it always is. It's always a pretty, 
a controversial thing to throw at a guy. You know, it's there, there's, there's unwritten rules about how to handle that kind of stuff. And did he hit, it, hit any of them? No. Was he sending a message? Yes. Did he chirp at him? Yes. And is that, and is that the reason why this ended up all happening? Probably. Yeah. You know, he said some stuff that was probably just kind of unnecessary. You know, you retire the last guy on a strikeout, do your K strat and get back in the dugout. You know, don't be trying to, don't be trying to pick fights necessarily, you know, be bigger. You know, honestly, I don't think he was trying to pick a fight there. It's trash talk. You I think know, he was. Um, it is what it is, but I still think that if you're looking at Joe Kelly, yeah, people are saying he wasn't a part of that Dodgers team. He was part of the Red Sox team that got beat by them. And yeah, he's still upset about it, but at the same time, I'm not condoning for him to throw at anyone. Like you guys said, he's trying to send a message. And I think that the Astros knew something like this was going to happen. They know. They had to have known. The league hates them. (laughs) They know that. But I think that Manfred is just trying to – I don't know how to say it nicely. He's trying to avoid something that's unavoidable of a team throwing at the Astros – it's going to happen. I don't think suspending Joe Kelly eight games is going to fully stop that. Yeah, I think it does because you saw a player get suspended for eight games, and if you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs or just even compete, right? if your guy's going to get suspended like that, you don't want that. Yeah, I think, this, I think, I think Manfred handled this part well. I think how he handled it in the offseason was awful, mm-hmm. but I think he handled this part fine. I, a lot of people disagree with me. I'm fine with that, but that's just my two cents. So let's move on. Let's talk about the injuries. We've already kind of brought them up today without really mentioning them in detail. Uh, the Angels announced earlier today that Shohei Otani was diagnosed with a grade one to two strain of the flexor uh, pronator mass, which is basically just his arm. He has an arm strain. It's not very good news for the Angels. It was pretty clear watching him that he he's not healthy, especially when it comes to pitching. Uh, he's going to be out for some time, pitching-wise, probably the entire season. And then as a hitter, he's currently day-to-day. And then Mike Soroka, uh, he tore his Achilles while pitching tonight against the New York Mets. And that is killer for the rotation. So... I want to ask you guys, which injury impacts their team the most? Well, I'd say um, I'd say Soroka's injury probably impacts the, the Braves more, but considering Shohei is a two-way guy, and not only are you losing his arm, um, but you're losing his bat for at least a couple of games, probably more. Um, I'd say that just means a lot more. Um, but just from a pitching perspective, Soroka's loss is huge, and that just sucks. Um, as a fan of good pitching and as a fan of this of this really bright up and coming superstar, I it really it really stinks to see an injury like this. Um, you don't you don't like to see anything like this ever happen to anyone. Um, I don't even care if they play for the Dodgers. Uh, it's just it's it's not it's not fun to see. And you just hope for a speedy recovery on his end. Uh, he doesn't deserve it. 
Um, he's a really hardworking, uh, humble kid, and he's got a lot of talent. He's got a bright future ahead of him. But as far as just impact, I, I'd say Shohei's injury is probably bigger at the moment. This one's a tough question. Um, I think Shohei has a huge effect because uh, this is a pitching staff that has struggled immensely so far, and they're going to continue to struggle without him. But he didn't. He has not looked good. His fastball's been sitting at 88 to 92. That's not where he's usually been at. But I think the other thing is that he hasn't been him himself. You saw him struggle against L.A. Not, not L.A., against Oakland in his first start, giving up five earned runs before recording an out. And he didn't record an out. So you saw him struggle. His pitching – I'm going to say it. His pitching career is probably over before it even got started, which is sad because we were excited to see the two-way player but I don't think you're ever going to see it again. I'm going to say the Soroka injury is big. It's a bigger impact right now because recovering from an Achilles injury takes about a year. That puts him out through most of next season. And I think that that is catastrophic to his development and to the Braves because he's been a key piece to that rotation. He's arguably the best piece in that rotation. And I just think that that's huge when you're going to lose – you're arguably your best piece for not just this season in the playoffs, but most of your regular season next year, if not more. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start with Ryan on this one. I think it's Soroka just because he's actually been performing well. Uh, my, uh, my evaluation of Otani, as we all know, was pretty high considering the fact that I picked Otani to win MVP coming into the season. That obviously didn't happen. It won't happen. So for me to say Soroka just shows you how impactful I think he is for the Braves. He's their ace without a doubt. He's their best pitcher. Um, He started opening day for them in just his second year in the MLB. He would have won rookie of the year almost any other year, but Pete Alonso set the rookie home run record last year. So, of course, he was going to win. I think that's – a huge loss for both teams, but I think it's a bigger loss for the Braves. So last thing before we wrap up, we got about five minutes before we head out. Uh, it's been a couple outbreaks within teams, uh, mostly the Miami Marlins. And then most recently the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, a couple other teams have had two or three cases, but nothing more than that. So they've been fortunate. But with the Marlins only playing three games so far, Phillies only playing four games so far because they're in the middle of a series with them. And then the Cardinals haven't played in a couple of days. Uh, Do we see the season ending early? Do we see it getting postponed? How do we think this affects baseball? If this really keeps up, it it will. And it honestly should be um, ended. Um, It's clear that protocol has just not been followed from the start. And Manfred came out and said, you know, he and his crew have full intention of keeping this going, barring that people actually start cracking down um, on the policies that have been put in place and actually start following protocol. Um, And honestly, you know, you don't want to see players test positive. You don't want to see player safety be in jeopardy. But if it's going to continue to be in jeopardy, it questions why this was even being done in the first place. And I would personally just like to say anyone who thought the bubble idea was going to be, was going to be suitable for baseball. It's just crazy. 
I really think the NBA and the NHL lucked out considering that they were already pretty much towards the end of their seasons. They, they had, they had things kind of figured out. They have proper facilities out in or in Orlando and then for the NHL in Toronto and in Edmonton to figure this whole thing out. But like going and playing in Arizona, you know, it's 118 plus degrees there every day. You don't want to play outdoor games there in the spring training complexes. Plus roster sizes are a lot smaller in sports like the NHL and in the NBA. That's all besides the point. Basically what I'm trying to say is anyone who thinks like the whole reason why this is bad is because the MLB didn't consider a, um, a, uh, like a bubble. It's just, they're just dead wrong. I mean, it, it would have honestly not have worked. Um, there's ways around this. If you follow protocol, if you wear your mask, in the dugout and on the field um, and obviously off of it. If you um, don't allow your players to go to clubs and the hotel bars and stuff after or before games um, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, there, there's easy ways to avoid this. I mean, the Marlins outbreak, it was clear that they just weren't, they had really no intention of following the protocol and they're getting bit for it. Um, the Cardinals, honestly, goodness knows what's going on. Um, and then, you know, you're now starting to see, you know, if your team is not going to abide by the rules correctly, you're not going to be able to play games. So, I mean, that's just the way I see it is, I mean, it is what it is. Start cracking down on protocol or the season honestly should just end. I'm going to go really quick with this. So Dom, you have time to talk. I'm just going to say what Manfred did saying, I will shut down this season. And then coming out the next day saying, there's no reason to quit. I thought that was a little weird. And I think I would have respected his his ideas by going with saying, I'll shut it down as a threat. Players have got to be better. Just listen to it. And I agree with you, Cole. Bubble idea would have been awful. But the players got to stick to it. They want to be playing. They got to stick to the protocols and do what they need to do. Dom, go ahead. Yeah, I think he has hit it on the head. You got to remember, these guys want to live their lives, but they can do that in 50 days when the season's over. Uh, or they can just opt out of the season if that's what they want to do. I, I hope these guys can start following protocols. There's no reason they shouldn't be wearing the mask in the dugout. I think whether on the field, unless you're like the first baseman or you don't need to be wearing a mask. But they need to do a little bit better of a job. I think you've seen a little bit better of a spacing in the dugout and other stuff like that uh, as of late, especially after the Marlins. So I think that's good. I think the season uh, needs to be completed to look good for baseball. And I think that it will happen if the teams can just stay, stay out of trouble on the field. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Golden Sombrero. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, tune in next week to hear more about the other Golden Sombreros. We'll talk about uh, more player performances and other COVID-19 updates. We thank you for tuning in and have a good rest of your day.